we had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. We know that the people who are dying from this from this uh, disease. Seriously, I'm, I'm making a serious point. I don't know what half of them are protesting against. You've still got Fauci walking around free. The man should be in irons in the darkest pit. As much as he touts that he cares about it, he doesn't. This is our revolution. It's not theirs. Don't let them take it from you. Don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when in fact it's not. It's ours. And we will have it. Welcome to 2022. It is the fourth day of January, the year of our Lord, 2022. It's going to take me about a month to get used to that. Yeah. Uh, but we uh, we are in the new year. Can you believe it already? Bruce, how are you? How was your, uh, how was your holiday break? Well, you know, healthy live. Holiday break was good. Uh, it was it was refreshing, uh, detached uh, from the news mostly, and that was a refreshing time. Got caught up on a few things, enjoyed some family interaction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good. That's good. That's good. Let, let me ask you a question. I, I had this question posed to me over the uh, over the holiday break. There, do you think that do you think that we're too serious? Too serious. Yeah. Um, the me outside of here, around friends and family. I'm a little bit more sarcastic than I am here. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, I, I, just I got as it. serious. Yeah, I, I got it. But I, I, I so, mean, podcasting. You think we're too serious? Hmm. Let's see. Social credit system being enacted. Uh, people being killed with uh, a, a, a virus that was engineered by government, and then you're being told to take a vaccine by government. The same people that made the virus. No, I, I, I don't. I don't think we're being too. Uh, no, I, I think this is the correct level. Okay. All right. You know, I was kind of wondering about that because people were kind of saying, you know what? I mean, I, I like the stuff that you guys are talking about, but uh, man, you're just, you're so serious. You're, you just, you don't relax at all. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. We, we relax. I said, but you have to understand podcasting is like, it's, it's not only is we, we want to keep it informative, but we want it to be therapeutic at the same time. So think about like, uh, think about this as, um, well, do you remember we wanted to do a segment? We wanted to do a couple of segments that were exclusive to like uh, GP. We wanted to do getting it off my chest and and we wanted to do uh, Marty's leather couch. You know, we, we wanted to do those things. Yeah. 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 So think about it like that. Th think about this as like our leather couch, right? That, that's what this is. We just sit down and, and quite frankly, the conversations that we sit here and we have, they're not all that different off recording. There's a lot more vulgarity that goes on, but, you know, we try to keep yeah. it family friendly. But there's not really too much difference in uh, in our conversations off air as opposed to what it is on air. It does get a little heated sometimes, but that's only because we don't have to. I mean, when we're having private conversations, we don't have to abide by FCC regulations. <laughs> so, right. There is that. Uh, but like I said, there, there's vulgarity. But um, other than that, I mean, I think the, the level of intensity is about the same, don't you? I, I think actually when we're not recording, the level of intensity kind of increases because my general sentiments of wire brush uh, Fauci, oh, yes. that's kind of my general sentiment uh, to government in general. So I, I tend to get uh, a little more heated uh, personally. Mm -hmm. But Well, did you follow Fauci's recommendations over the holidays at all? Any of it? Uh, the most that I followed it was uh, we didn't have a large gathering, but that's not because of Fauci's edicts. It's because that's tradition for the New Year's. We don't do anything big. We just, you know, kind of enjoy it as a family. You know, right after the uh, the holiday season was over, right after the Christmas and New Year's and everything, and th this guy, this joker comes out and he tries to give you guidelines for your family for Christmas, you know, get everybody tested, check their vaccination status before you let them in your house and and then tell them, oh, look, um, not this year uh, and wear masks if you're going to come up, that kind of just nonsense, right? And then he he turned around and he tried to do it for New Year's and nobody followed that either. Did you see the Anderson Cooper thing on CNN in Times Square for New Year's? Did you see that? Uh, so yes and no. Uh, I did see a rant. I, I went and watched yeah. the rant. The rant. Yeah, yeah. That Cooper was yeah. That Cooper was trying to to disrupt there. They were doing shots of tequila yeah. and yeah. man, the atmosphere in, in 
Yeah, they were both completely hammered. Which, I mean, that's fine. Whatever. You know, make, make up your own. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're in Times Square in New York. Go ahead. I'd be surprised if they weren't hammered. I mean, I, there's probably not a sober person down there except for the cops. But Yeah, but you're on TV. You're on national yeah, television. Yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, but what? I mean, there's 50 people watching CNN these days. That's fair. That's fair. So, I mean, there's not yeah. there's not too many. But they probably all have their box wine, too. So it's, it's fair. <laughs> yeah. The guy goes on the rant about Bill de Blasio being a terrible mayor. He's not wrong, though. He's not wrong. The condition of the city is just turned into this just uh, this hell pit. I was listening to a um, listening to a comedian who's currently living in New York, and he has just bought himself a home and he's going to do like the whole studio and everything. He's a he's a comedian, but he also does like podcasting and stuff on the side, which I think everybody has a podcast nowadays if you're in any kind of entertainment or whatever. But he lives in New York and he walks a block from his house, right? He walks a block from his house, from from where he lives to his studio, a block in New York. He says it, it just within the last 12 months, he says it has changed so much that you don't even recognize it anymore. He walks every day from where he lives to his studio. And he says he walks past homeless people laying in the streets, which I mean, that's kind of normal for New York anyway, or for New York anyway, because you got 90,000 in the streets up there before the pandemic. But People are using the the gutters along along the uh, the sidewalks there as toilets. You got uh, junkies laying out there with needles in their arms. There's trash everywhere. I mean, it's just, it's just it's truly disgusting. Gang fights, robberies in broad daylight, that type of stuff. And so uh, he's actually just uh, bought a house and he's going to do like a whole new studio and everything. He's moved to so- moving to South Carolina, but the top earners up there don't even want to stay there. This is somebody that lives in Long Island. They don't even live in the city. This is somebody that lives in Long Island. And they, which, you know, Long Island's just kind of, you know, 30 minutes, like 20, 30 minutes commute to the uh, to the city there uh, with traffic. But that's where if you're any type of a conservative, that's where you live in New York. You live in you live in Long Island. I know a few people that live up there. And he was talking about his taxes last year. Right. Last year, the amount of taxes he paid, income taxes, income taxes and and the school taxes last year alone, he paid sixty five thousand dollars for income taxes in Long Island. And he says, why am I staying here? Why on earth am I staying here? It gets to this point now. The rant from the guy on CNN was not wrong, even though he was hammered and and Cooper was Anderson Cooper was hammered. Okay, fine, fine. But the rant was not incorrect. De Blasio has torched that city. This guy has got to be the worst mayor in our nation's history. He's got to be the worst. I mean, I don't know of a single mayor that's been worse than that. You could argue maybe uh, Eric Garcetti out in L.A. or possibly Lori Lightfoot from Chicago. But you really can't get worse than uh, than de Blasio of New York. And what makes it even worse is the fact that this guy has a national platform. Like he's out there on the national platform every day talking about the guidelines, of what New York's going to do. Like this is some type of a, a holy grail of what the rest of the country needs to adopt. But listen to this. New York City to install vending machines that dispense clean needles for drug users that are disproportionately burdened by overdoses. Dispro- disproportionately burdened by overdoses. So because you're a junkie, and you choose to shove a needle in your arm, you're disproportionately burdened by an overdose? That's an actual quote. We're now going to create safe drug using zones. Basically, we're we're legalizing drug houses. We're legalizing drugs. That's what we're doing. And and don't give me the argument about, oh, well, the Dutch do it. That's different. They have a culture of that. You know what the biggest problem with Americans is when it comes to substance using as in like alcohol and drugs and things like recreational drugs and stuff like that. Americans can't behave. We don't have the maturity level. And I'm serious. I'm serious. If you think that that's a joke, just go to any corner bar or uh, or nightclub or whatever on any given night and look at how those people behave inside. You give a few drinks to these people and they just turn into just wild, wild animals. Mardi Gras. We can't even behave during Mardi Gras. You're not supposed to technically drink in the streets, although what are you going to do when you've got 5 million people that are out there and you've got, oh, I don't know, uh, 10,000 cops? You going to stop everybody? I doubt it. So they just let it go. They look the other way for a couple of days. We can't even behave down there. We can't behave at football Sundays when people have alcohol. Hell, we have to cut people off after halftime. We can't behave at the baseball game. After the seventh inning stretch, you're not allowed to drink after the seventh inning stretch because we can't behave when we get just a little bit of freedom. Now we're just going to legalize drug use in New York City. A pilot program. You hear this? A pilot program. A pilot program in New York City will install 
10 public health vending machines. You hear this? Drug use is now public health. The, the, the amount of, of authority that these disgusting degenerates, and I'm talking about the governmental agencies, have gained over this state of emergency nonsense surrounding this so-called pandemic has been absolutely out of control. Drug use is now public health. Gun ownership is now public health. What your belief system is, is now public health. So they'll install 10 public health vending machines at selected locations throughout the city for drug users who are, quote, disproportionately burdened by overdoses. The Fund for Public Health New York, a nonprofit organization. Yeah, start tracing that money back, see where it goes. Act Blue, maybe. I'm just guessing. I'm just guessing. Some type of Soros outfit, possibly. I don't know. He's been the biggest advocate for legalization of, uh, of marijuana throughout the United States and the state's, uh, state's rights initiatives. So why not? Why wouldn't you look there first? They have opened a request for proposals in, Dece in December to install the machines that will dispense the anti-overdose drug uh, naloxone, uh, sterile syringes, and other harm reduction and wellness supplies to drug users in neighborhoods across the embattled city. You know what? I got a buddy of mine who who manages a grocery store in the United States. He manages a grocery store right next to that grocery store. It's in kind of like one of those shopping plaza kind of places, right? So you you know what I'm talking about, Bruce. You you've got those areas down there, I'm sure. You know, like the little yeah. strip malls. Yeah. Master. So there's yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a grocery store, and it's a big grocery store. I'm not going to say which one, but it's a big grocery store, big grocery store chain. Right next to that, in the same park, I mean, like literally across the parking lot. In, in the little strip mall area they have there, they put in an opioid recovery clinic. They're dealing with two to, he's told me this personally, they're dealing with two to three overdoses a week in their public restrooms in there. So they'll just go in there because they have a pharmacy in this, in this place as well. So they'll just go into the restroom there and they'll shoot up, they'll overdose. And then, well, they say, okay, well, I'm doing it here. So I'll just get hit with Narcan. So when someone finds me, uh, I'll, I'll just get hit with uh, uh, just get hit with Narcan behind the, uh, the the pharmacy there, and, and I'll be brought back. So it's fine. Not in my world, Jack. That that's not how that works. That that is not how that works at all. If you're going to go out there and you're going to do that, then you're on self destruct. Why is it society's responsibility to to look after you in that respect? How is that my responsibility to pay for that? Why is it the average New Yorker's responsibility to pay for this? We're enabling this problem. Is my point. We're not offering any solutions for these people to get out of that lifestyle, to get out of the gutters, to get back on track to being a productive member of society, living by the laws that we all enjoy. Instead, we further this problem. These people don't need a handout. And that's that's precisely what you're giving them. When you hit somebody with Narcan, when you put in these, um, <clears throat> what do they call them? Public health vending machines, you're enabling that problem. It's the woke liberal way of, of dealing with things. Just throw money at it, right? How's that worked out for us over the last 35 years? Throw money at it. These people don't need a handout. They need a hand up. They need to get off of this this nightmare of a ride that they're on. You can't sit down and you can't you can't give them an intervention. That that stuff doesn't work. I, I don't care what uh, what the Discovery Channel or, or TLC or whatever these networks are that do these things. That's ridiculous. They're not going to hear you. And the only reason I can speak on this, and, and I'm not the only one, but I, I'm just saying in general, really need GP here to talk about this stuff because he's directly involved with like outreach programs and things like that. But I've been out there on the streets. And it's the, the problem is, is a thousandfold what it was when I was down in it back in the US. So I know what's going on out there. I, and I know what these people don't need. These people don't need a handout. They don't need to be enabled any more than what they're being enabled. Why aren't we funding initiatives to stop the heroin that's in the streets? Why aren't we funding initiatives to put people back to work in a productive lifestyle? Why, why aren't we funding initiatives to, to put people through the actual rehabilitation programs to, quote, re-socialize people. Why aren't we doing that? Why aren't we putting all this extra money that we're throwing at this problem and putting it towards something useful to give these people a purpose in life? Perhaps it's the same reason that the same people that created the vaccine are the same people that created the virus. The manufacturers of the opioids they also make the recovery drugs. Same people. They got you coming and going. Yeah. But you can't just give them something is, is my point. It's just we're, we're throwing more money at this problem. We're exacerbating this problem. This this is like the reverse of what California wants to do. California wants to give everybody homes. They want to mandate housing out there. Do you, do you remember that? Do you remember, do you remember Governor Gavin Newsom saying doctors be able to prescribe housing the same way they do antibiotics? Really? So what, you, you think you're just going to take somebody off the street? 
You, you're going to take the bum up off the street who's who's shoving needles in their arms down there in the gutter, and you're going to put them in a brand new uh, three-bedroom, two-bathroom house, and that's going to fix the problem? You think that because they're out there and, and they're using drugs and they're shooting up, it's because they don't have a home? You, you think it's because they don't have clean water? You think it's because they don't have electricity? That's what it is? Uh, actually, yeah. That's why they're out there shooting up on the street. Is because they don't have a home to shoot up in. Right, right. They don't have their their safe space there to, to do that. So anyway, my, my point is is that this this right here this is this is just the continuation of the degeneracy of what you already have in New York. Obviously, what you're doing up there is not working. I, I've seen the drug scene in New York. I, I've been out there and seen how bad it is. Central Park. Hell, I don't even think you can go to Central Park anymore. I'm not sure. Last I heard from Central Park, there were nothing but a bunch of opium dens hanging out there. And the the, uh, the the law-abiding citizens that were coming by saying to the police officers that are parked right there watching it go on saying, why don't you stop this? And they say, we can't. The mayor says we can't. So they're doing this to, um, yeah, help to, uh, what, what is this? Um, they're, they're doing this to um, offer harm reduction and wellness supplies uh, to drug users. That's, that's what we're doing. So I agree with you. The difficulty I have with my, my, my phrase, uh, government's bad, also stems from uh, drugs are bad, okay? Uh, that's kind of where it, it, it's an alteration of that. And I do have that opinion, drugs are bad. The, the problem I have is government coming in and saying, you can't do it, because that's not a power government has. However, uh, the way New York is doing this, though I disagree with it, it's within the state's right. If, if the state or even, uh, well, it has to be at the state level. It can't be at the city level. A city can't do it. Like New York City can't do this. It would have to be New York State that did it. Because technically speaking, constitutionally, they have the power, the right to do that. All the powers not given to the federal government are given to the state. Uh, so they, they have the right to try this. That said, I think it's stupid and foolish. But I also am one for observational science. And if they go and do this and it shows that it works, well, maybe we can augment it in some way and incorporate it elsewhere and it reduce drug overdose, drug use, all that kind of stuff, whatever. But if it shows that it doesn't work, which is far more likely, then other states will know not to try that same method. So in a sense, uh, I, I agree with you. I just I, I don't know how to go at it uh, because it's a state if it's at the state level. You know, they, well, they can you know, choose to do that. I, I almost I almost think that and, and I'm I'm almost positive that's that's what's going on here. I, I almost think that the people that you need to be bringing in on this matter are the people that are the recovered users themselves that understand what's going on out there. They don't have those people being brought in. You've got a bunch of pencil necked academics that are in there that think that they know best uh, that have been brought up in the universities yes. and, and they have absolutely no idea and no connection to reality. That's the problem is, is they've, yeah. they've got this mentality that if we just do this and we just put money into this then that's going to fix this. No, it's so it's not that it'll fix it. Um, as talking to some of the uh, more left-thinking individuals that I know, the argument that they place is this is their chosen lifestyle. So who are we to say that they? they okay, so life, liberty, and the pursuit pursuit of happiness. Their pursuit of happiness is to be a, a a drug user, to be homeless on the street. So we need to make it safer for them to be able to go and do that. That's the argument that they present. You so know, I see that. I, I, I see that argument. I, I truly do, because, you know, being somebody of somewhat libertarian ideas, I, I see that argument. I understand where they're coming from on it, uh, and I don't disagree with it per se. But at the same time, I also can't ignore the other side of that, uh, that same argument, which is the law-abiding citizen that pays their taxes and puts money into investing into a home and, and wanting to have a family and settle down and have a career. What right do they have to not have to put up with not only the drug use in front of themselves and their family and their children, but also the level of crime that's going to arise because of the degenerating conditions in the community because of the drug use. Right, right. And I think the argument for them for that is uh, because I've had this exact same conversation with some of these individuals. Uh, their argument was that's why you have certain locations for them to go that is uh, designated a safe spot for them. So uh, uh, let's say, as an example, a community center or uh, uh, some uh, shelter or something that provides the accurate quantities of the drug, the needles, all that kind of stuff uh, to them as they so desire. Um, to be fair, like I said, if a state wants to do that, 
state can do that. And if you as a resident of that state want to continue paying taxes into that, stay. Uh, if you don't, there's other states that don't do that. That's true. That is true. Like I was telling you, I, I was listening to a uh, a guy who's um, working in New York or working in New York now, and he says, "You know what? I've had enough. I've had enough. Why am I paying sixty five thousand dollars a year in state income taxes, and I have to put up with all this? Why, why am I doing that? I mean, if I was paying sixty five thousand a year, and I had golden streets that I was driving on, and and I had uh, all the services that I could possibly imagine, and there were beautiful women out there directing traffic as opposed to traffic lights, <laughs> then." Of course, why would I leave? But that's not what's happening. Instead, it's everything in the opposite direction. But again, again, you can't just blame you can't just blame de Blasio. Plenty plenty of blame to go there, but you can't just blame him. This has been going on for a long time. That happened long before uh, de Blasio came into the picture. But he didn't help matters. As a matter of fact, he exacerbated the problem and made it much, much worse. But the new guy that's now taking place, per the uh, uh, the CNN rant, the new guy that's now taking place. Uh, New York City Mayor Eric Adams, who, by the way, has just on his first day extended the uh, COVID restrictions and the uh, the, the vaccine mandates and, and everything else. You know, he didn't really take much of a position before that. But after he's sworn in, well, hey, all bets are off, right? Yeah, and he was he was actually saying that he would do no more lockdowns and no more of uh-huh. that. Yeah, sure. that's what he was saying before, which yeah. we all know what that means. And in, in today's new uh, new agenda, that means you're going to get more of it. But the New York City mayor, the new uh, New York City mayor, uh, Eric Adams, he called 911 to report a street fight just a couple hours after being sworn into office. He witnessed a fight, uh, called 911 to report the incident during his first commute to City Hall. Well, I mean, at least he's making the call, right? He Yeah. Hold on a minute. The mayor has the, the 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 New York City mayor has a special NYPD police detail. Why didn't he just why didn't he just tell the the detail to to send it through downtown? They've gotten priority with it. One street fight, one street fight in New York, and you're calling nine one one. Do you know how many of those calls they get up there a day? They probably get ten thousand of those calls or more up there a day. So what you're saying is, is this was just a political stunt? Yeah, um, it could have been. Yeah, it could have been. Uh, but of course, he does the uh, the PR thing at the uh, the press conference. He says, "Yeah, once a transit cop, you're always a transit cop." Uh huh. Sure. Yeah. Right. Uh, being followed by numerous reporters, uh, but no security. Oh, he didn't have a security detail. That's why. That's why he spotted three men fighting on the street outside the J train station on uh, Kozekto Street in Bedford, Stuyvesant, at around 8 a.m. on Saturday. The argument then escalated into a physical altercation, according to. Um, Mayor Adams, he said, here we go. I knew it was only a matter of time. That's why I kept looking at it. Yeah, see, he's got that keen, keen instinct to, to look out, to, you know, to look out for the, the <laughs> couple of couple of thugs getting mixed up into it out in the streets. Hours after being sworn in, the new mayor picked up his phone and dialed 911. Oh, thank God. Thank God. I'm at Broadway and well, OK, well, anyway, he calls it in. He says there's an assault in progress. Uh, he says there's a uh, there's three males, you know, whatever. So he reports it. And then. Of course, you know, vehicle to patrol cars shows up. You know, I wonder, was that staged? <laughs> that almost sounds like it was staged. You know, immediately, you know, a couple of patrol cars to show right up. And yeah. Now, if the average citizen had picked up a phone and called 911 and said, hey, there's a couple of guys, uh, two, three guys out here fighting in the streets. Do you honestly think you would have had two patrol cars show up that fast with all the reporters around? Yeah, um, you you don't have a security detail, but you have them on tap. Uh-huh. And and you have all the reporters following you on your way to City Hall. And you just mm. happen to see that fight and you just happen to pick up the phone and there just happen to be two cruisers right there ready to, to put it down. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. Anyway. All right. Um let's uh let, let's let's go to this. I, I know I I really didn't want to talk uh, about much of this stuff today because it's it's a new year, but you know what? New year, we're gonna be dealing with more of the same, right? It's what it's going to be. It's going to be more of the same. Dr. Anthony Fauci, this this bumbling fool is back again. First, he tells you, as we said earlier, first, he tells you on Christmas. No, you got to be checking people's vaccine passports that show up to your holiday dinner. No, you don't want to do that. The CDC says eat outside, wave to your neighbors, don't talk to anybody. Then on New Year's, he tells you, no, you, you probably don't need to be going to any New Year's parties because of, well, these, these surging Omicron cases. And, and you want to be you want to be sure about being around people that are vaccinated and boosted and and everything else. Well, now that all that holiday hubbub is over, now we're on to the new year. So we're back to a steady diet of 
well, should you should you go to these places? Are you allowed to go to these places? That's the bigger question. Are you allowed to go to these places? Does the St. Dr. Anthony Fauci sign off for you to go to a restaurant or a bar? That's the question. Bruce, you look confused. Are you waiting for an answer? Are you waiting for an anointment from Dr. Fauci to, to tell you whether or not you can actually go somewhere? Because, I mean, what, what was it, her name on, uh, on MSNBC? She's the Fauci groupie. She follows mm. everything that he says, everything that he says to the letter. She, she has cases yeah. of KN95 masks. She's got them in every pocket and she wears them all the time, even though she doesn't need to and they don't really do anything. Uh, the Mayo Clinic today, right? One, one of the biggest hospitals in the country have some of the best doctors and nurses and everything else. They have announced today that cloth masks don't do anything. So you need to wear N95s or KN95s over the cloth mask. So we're, we're back to two masks again. It was only a matter of time. Right. It was only a matter of time. We're, we're back to that again. Last year, we had up to what was it? Four. We were, we were up to almost four, four. Yeah, you really you need four masks in some cases. And then, yeah. well, yeah. So what's it going to be this year? Eight, nine, something like that. I don't know. Just use a plastic bag already. That, that, just, that's 100 percent effective. Just it, it plastic is. bag and duct tape. 100 percent effective. You won't have to worry about catching the virus either. No, no, you don't have to worry about that at all. But mask, no mask, vaccine, no vaccine, booster, test. What? What is it? What is it? Well, let's see. Let's just see. Are you allowed to go to a restaurant or a bar if you're fully vaccinated and boosted? Are you allowed to do that? Tell us, doctor. How should vaccinated and boosted people behave? Can they go into a restaurant, eat safely indoors right now? You know, when you're having such a I call it a tsunami of infections, Dana. We are seeing people who are vaccinated and boosted who are getting breakthrough infections. So when you're in a situation where you have so many infections going out, the thing that you want to say is that if you want to do things like that, better do them in a setting where you know the people around you are vaccinated and boosted. And that's the reason why I've been saying when asked about the holiday season, the safest thing to do is to be in a home setting, friends, relatives who you know are vaccinated mm -hmm. and boosted. If you want to go the extra step of safety, then get a quick antigen test, which will give you an extra degree of safety. What you want to avoid are places where you have 20, 30, 40, 50 people, many of whom you have no idea of whether or not they're that vaccinated or boosted. That's more risky than that, in the home a, setting. That's that sounds like a yes. Okay. Um. Did did you did you catch any of that and make sense of any of that? Because it was um. Well, we're obviously going to have breakthrough cases, which is a, a, a complete fantasy in and of itself. If you actually you listen to these accredited doctors like Malone, which we'll talk about here in a minute. Um, who is the inventor of uh, the mRNA uh, technology. We're, we're going to talk about him here in just a moment. Uh, or Dr. Peter McCullough. You listen to these people and you hear them when they explain how these breakthrough, I'm doing the air quotes, breakthrough infections work. It's not even possible. It's not possible. That's not how this works. You get it once, you're done. That's it. That's it. There are no breakthrough infections. That's a complete fantasy. It's a complete concoction. And then, then he says, well, you want to avoid places because we're going to have vaccinated people, vaccinated and boosted people that have breakthrough infections. But then if you're going to go to these places, then you want to make sure that you go to the places where people are vaccinated and boosted. Unreal. Absolutely unreal. Yeah, the the, the problem with that is um, the breakthrough infections that they're talking about, they're referencing vaccines and people that have been vaccinated and you catching COVID through the vaccine um, and saying that that's a breakthrough case. Uh, makes it sound as if it's a rare occurrence. It, it doesn't happen. In traditional case, like with vaccines, you know, the past vaccines, this is true. A breakthrough case was very rare. However, in this scenario, if you look at the data and listen to these doctors, the more jabs you have, the more likely you are to get COVID or one of the new strains, um, which again, vaccines only target alpha, so every strain after that, it's increasing your chances of catching COVID. The other thing that I'd like to point out is what he mentioned there about the, the uh, being extra cautious. If you want to take the extra step to protect yourself even more, get a quick antigen test. What test is that? I'm curious. What what test is that? Biden's talking about, oh, we've got 500 million tests that are already ordered. And OK, where are those coming from? Where, where are those coming from? Is anybody asking that question? Is anybody in the mainstream media asking that question? Where in the hell are those tests coming from and what are they checking for? Because we don't know 
how to even test for this supposed variant yet. Hell, we didn't know how to test for the last one. And then on top of that, they've pulled the PCR tests. You're not allowed to use those anymore because they say, oh, they're not accurate enough. That's funny you say that now two years into it after you've shut everything down. They still have the power. Well, they actually don't. They're still exercising the power to shut down people's right to actually go to work and run a business. Then they're leveraging that through this ridiculous testing nonsense. And, and this other point right here, we have 500 million tests in America alone that Biden has uh, said that we have ordered for people to use at home for free. Bruce, what are the majority of these tests made out of? What material? Uh, petrochemicals. Plastics. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, plastics. That's the majority of where these things are coming from. What kind of environmental damage is that going to do to these people that are all about the environment and all about build back broke? Excuse me, build back better. Did I say build back broke? Build back better. And uh, we're going to ban straws. We're going to ban plastic straws, but we're going to have 500 million plastic, tests. Plastic, plastic bags tests. as well. Oh, yeah. 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 What um, kind of environmental damage yeah. is this going to do? Uh it's going, I obviously I don't have a, like a, a exact number on that because I don't know what petrochemicals they're using and some are worse than others. Uh, but generally speaking, petrochemicals don't degrade very quickly. No. Um, and in fact, plastics will last thousands of years. And again, I'm asking the question, where are they coming from? Who's manufacturing them? What are they testing for? Quick antigen test. Okay, Dr. Fauci, but for what? For what? You know, every time you hear this joker that's up on TV making his rounds on all these networks or whatever, you always hear him referencing data. If you look at the data, if you go through and you look at the data, what data? Show it. Show one piece of data, please. You've been up there for over two years now barking mad about some ridiculous nonsense. Do you, do you remember Do you remember back in the early days, two years ago, almost to date, he said, no, oh, no, you, you want to take it seriously, but... Um, there, there, this is not a, a threat to the United States. And this is not something that the you know, people of the United States need to be worried about right now. No, you don't need to be worried about that. That was two years ago. We're so forgetful. But yet now he's out referencing data, evidence, science, blah, blah, blah. He hasn't shown a single piece of data from any interview I've seen of this guy. Not a single piece. I'm waiting for him to hold up some paper somewhere talking about uh, some, well, we're looking at this and this is what we're seeing from this. No, no. He's held We're up dealing, one. He's got one. Uh, he, he's held up one piece, one paper, but it was a cherry picked paper out of a community that was multi, mostly elderly and was saying that people that were unvaccinated are 56 times more likely to get coronavirus than someone that is non-vaccinated. He was mm -hmm. pulling that one and it was a cherry picked when you looked at where it came from. So even even if he, we did get him to pull data and show his work. It's going to be that kind of that. It'll be that yeah. level of malevolence. It, yeah, he'll pull yeah. it out of some, you know, uh, small community that's that's skewed in his. Uh, well, uh, I was going to say benefit, but yeah, it does benefit him. It does. And I also heard. OK, to that point, that that's a, that's a fair point you have there. Uh, but also to that point, I did hear that this is the same way that they got remdesivir three. Dr. Fauci was one that signed off on that. Uh, it failed the trials for COVID. Remdesivir was actually being used for something else. That was being used as a treatment for Ebola. And somehow or another, we got it worked up into to being a, treat, a treatment for COVID. Uh, I, I don't know how in the hell that happened, but uh, it, he got it worked through with that. It was a cherry-picked report, just like you said. Uh, but it was cherry-picked with data that was uh, from a selected group. And and the, the, the entire thing about it was, was, if I understood it correctly, the control group for it was completely tainted. You couldn't even use it, but they took it anyway. They, they went with it anyway. So, we're, I mean, we're, we're dealing with, I, I don't even know how to, to, to describe this. This is, a, this is a level of incompetence that's not even calculable by, by our, our means of deciphering where this comes from. I mean, this is, this is ridiculous. Everybody is, is stuck into what Malone talked about. We can segue to this now, and that's what's causing this, is everyone is stuck into this, this feedback loop of this mass formation psychosis. Now, if anybody hasn't listened to the interview of Dr. Robert Malone on Joe Rogan's podcast, we put it up on our Telegram page. It's also out there on Spotify, free to listen to. It was the interview that was done just the other day. It's the latest one. Please go give it a listen. I know it's a lot to ask. It was three hours long. 
but you need to listen to what the man had to say because he explains it better than me or anybody else ever could uh, because you know we're not experts in any of this stuff. We're, we're having to learn this stuff as we go along and I'm trying to interpret this and, and learn this stuff on the fly. It's not easy to do. And listening to him speak in layman's terms for that amount of time was actually very helpful. Usually when I listen to him, it's a clip somewhere and he's doing all of this deep like academic and scientific talk and I can't figure out what in the world he's saying. But when he was on uh, Rogan's podcast, he explained things pretty well. With him being on there, uh, he talked about, uh, again, mass formation psychosis. Now, by him doing that, <laughs> that triggered a problem, as in w- with the big tech companies. That, that caused a, uh, a bit of a storm. YouTube has removed the episode completely from their website. They would put it up over there uh, on Joe Rogan's page. Uh, During the interview, Malone, who claims to be part of a uh, a collaboration that reportedly created the mRNA technology widely used in COVID-19 vaccines, he talked about vaccines, mandates, uh, and other pandemic-related topics. So I want to play this clip here of of what he's talking about uh, when he gets into like this mass formation psychosis. And and this is essentially what happened during the Second World War in Nazi Germany. This is exactly the same tactic that they used. And what people were doing was they were immediately Googling mass formation psychosis. They were Googling this this term because no one had ever heard it before. And what happened was the algorithm got broken. They broke the Google algorithm. And so Google had to go in and shut it down. And they had to manually key in people to get redirected to certain topics. So they shut that down. As soon as they started seeing a surge, I mean, that line went vertical. As soon as they started seeing a surge in mass formation psychosis and what it was really meaning, they shut it down and they redirected everybody after about 10 minutes. They redirected everybody over to some uh, woke lunatic that was criticizing Malone talking about mass formation psychosis. So that was now the, the new top search result. And they also deleted the interview. Uh, but this is the just a small snippet of, of this segment on uh, Joe Rogan's podcast. They removed you for not going along with whatever the tech narrative is, because tech clearly has uh, a censorship agenda when it comes to COVID in terms of treatment, in terms of the, the wh- whether or not you are promoting what they would call vaccine hesitancy. They can ban you for that. They can ban you for, in, in their eyes, what they think is a justifiable offense. And they're doing this. And I don't know who these people are that are doing this, but they're doing these this one of the most important things about you reading out your history like that is to one of the most qualified people in the world to talk about vaccines. Thank you for that. I I think that that's so one way that some people put it is and of course, since this has happened, I've been contacted by multiple lawyers that are looking at filing a suit just like Alex Berenson has one against Twitter. Um, and, and the point is made just with what you just made. Uh, um, if So the point that I, I think is kind of succinct on this is um, if my voice, if, it, if there's no merit to my voice being in the conversation, whether I, it's true or not, whether I'm factually correct or not, let's park that just for a minute, whether or not I'm right in everything I say, and I freely admit no one's perfect. I'm not perfect. It's one of my core points is people should think for themselves. I try really hard to give people the information and help them to think, not to tell them what to think. Okay. Um, but the point is if, if I'm not, if, if it's not okay for me to be part of the conversation, even though I'm pointing out scientific facts that may be inconvenient, then who is, who can be allowed? Um, and uh, whether you're in the camp that says I'm a liar and I didn't invent this technology despite the patents, and there's a whole cohort of that, no one can debate that dispute that I played a major role in the creation of this tech. And virtually all other voices that have that background have conflicts of interest, financial conflicts of interest. I think I'm the only one that doesn't. I'm not getting any money out of this. And he goes on to talk about leading up to this. Like I said, it's a, it's a long interview, uh, but that that's what it comes down to right there is all the voices of dissent are being silenced, all of them. That should concern you deeply, regardless of your political uh, and, and, and cultural beliefs. That doesn't matter at this point. What he just said there, let's take all that and let's park that for a minute. Let's just set that off to the side. He made reference to mass formation psychosis. This is what broke the Google algorithm. They had to go in and redirect people. But he made references to Germany in the 1920s and the 1930s when the Nazis came into power. 
And this is exactly how they did it. Everybody was in despair. Everybody was in confusion. Everybody was in a state of it, like society in, in Germany in the 1920s and 1930s was just in a downward spiral because they had hyperinflation. They were living large on American loans, but that got cut off. People were starving. Uh, and it was just it was it was just generally it was it was horrible conditions. They were charged ridiculous amounts of war reparations, which the Germans could never pay. We hung that over their heads. And it's like we're, we're making you pay with not only financial side, the financial side of things, but we're also making you pay with like agriculture. We're making you pay with your harvest. We're making you pay with your livestock. But yet you're, you're basically leaving more than two thirds of their population left to starve. What do you expect them to do? The stage was set, is my point, for this type of an atmosphere to be generated in society. And when that happened, then, of course, enter the opportunist, the opportunistic idea of Marxism. Uh-huh. Yeah. Marxism. Once it came in, then you had a very well-spoken person of that era that said, hey, I'll fix all your problems. You're starving? That's okay. I've got a plan to fix that. You want roads? You want bridges? I got a plan to fix that. You want homes to live in? I got plans to fix that. You want jobs? Got all the jobs you could ever ask for. Mass formation psychosis. The population had been broken morally, spiritually, financially, economically, culturally. It was a mess. Everybody was in disarray. Everybody was confused. Everybody was, uh, the anxiety was high. And so people were desperate for a voice of some type of a way out, if you will. That, that's what they wanted. They just wanted it all to stop. They wanted to go back to life as normal. Are we at that point in the West? Are we in a discombobulated mess spiritually, culturally, financially, economically, educationally? Are we at a point where we have all of this madness happening around us and we just want it to stop. And you have a single solution emerge. In the Germans' case, in the 1920s and 30s, it was a guy named Hitler. That was their single solution, or so they thought. In our case, it's not a single leader. We haven't seen that yet, though I'm expecting one. Ah, you can call Klaus Schwab, whatever you want. That guy's a nightmare. But the single solution in this case is not a person. Everybody's looking for a person. It's not Donald Trump. Get that out of your head. Everybody's looking for the single solution. The single solution in this case has been the vaccine. That's the only solution they're giving you. We're going to turn off all of your life. We're going to turn off all of everything that you do. We're going to shut down your business. We're going to bankrupt you. We're going to take your house. We're going to take your livelihood, everything. But if you take this, then we're going to leave you alone. But they don't leave you alone. You see, Israel's up to four now. Everywhere else is up to three. But see, the single solution in this case doesn't work. There, there's no roadmap out of this. And this is this is where I kind of uh, lead off to the uh, lead off on on this path that he was leading up to. And that is everything that we're seeing here. It all has the telltale signs of a cult. We've been saying that for over a year now, as we started seeing everything like change into like this, uh, the, the mask thing and and the, um, the well, you know, the vaccine and, and well, are you going to take it? And then the Facebook thing and the, you know, the getting the banners around. I'm vaccinated. Are you vaccinated? Well, are we vaccinated? Should we all be vaccinated. Are we doing this? Are we doing that. It becomes a thing about the group. It's 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 literal mass formation psychosis. We, we even pitted that against the criteria of what it means to belong to a cult. And it lines up perfectly in every respect. If you look at all these cult movements, I'm, I'm not talking about the, the ones that are behind the scenes as in like the, the leaders of it and all. They're usually involved in stuff that's really dark and nefarious. I mean, it's some really bad stuff. But the usual members, the, the usual members, the ones that are out there in the tracksuits, you know what I'm talking about? Those types, they're the ones that end up making the sacrifices that are led to slaughter by the sick leaders. And everything with this pushing of this jab and, uh, and, and everything that goes along with it. See, it's not enough to just take that jab. And I was listening to Mercola talk about this. He says, think about the insanity of this. In the West, we have four jabs. Or, or if you want to get, get even crazier with it, you can go with the, um, the, the Sinovac one, the, the Coronavac one, the, the Novavax one, the, um, uh, the, the Sputnik one, and, and all the rest of it. You got all these jabs around the world. The Western countries, the, the American companies, the, excuse me, the European companies, the American companies, the Canadian companies, the Chinese companies, and the Russian companies. You got all these jabs. And the system doesn't care which one you take as long as you take one. Think about the craziness of that and how insane that is. How much sense does that make? Everyone's in a position now, and I'm talking about like the positions of authority, the, the world leaders, international leaders, wh whatever you want to call them. They're all in a position now where they are like they, they have abandoned all sense of reality. They're gone. None of them are in any type of a condition to be making any kind of rational thought for themselves, let alone their populations. They're in lockstep with the agenda. And when you get to an agenda that's at this level now, where we are now, 
in any type of an occultic type movement, man, bad things happen. Usually you end up with mass casualties, as in you've seen the movies where the cult, you know, kind of gets together and they're dishing out the uh, the Kool-Aid and the Jim Jones compound kind of stuff. Right. That's what we're talking about here, where you see the helicopter exactly flying over. Say. Yeah. You see the helicopter flying over and you see all the bodies laying out there. That's the level we're getting to. That's exactly what I was going to reference with uh, the the Kool-Aid. It's, it's exactly where we're getting to is now you have so many people that are on board. And the thing is, they're so on board that if you show them the data, you show them this, the, the interviews of the doctors, they don't care. It just goes in one year and out the other. They do not care. You tell them, look, this is what the data is showing. And you show them the data and you show them that if you're if you're jabbed multiple times, it decreases your your immunity versus uh, the the virus. It does not increase it. It makes you more vulnerable, more susceptible to it. When you show them that data, they're like, "Oh, that 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 that's conspiracy theory. That's nonsense. That's no. You, you they're safe and effective. Uh, you should go get one. They don't care. And when you show them data that you're more likely to have um, side effects from the vaccine if you've been uh, if if you've already been infected by COVID, they don't care. We're, we're talking about you're four times more likely to have things like myocarditis or paralysis. That is, in my opinion, those kind of like paralysis and like being maimed for the rest of your life is worse than it killing you, in my opinion, uh, because, you know, killing you. OK, I'm, you're dead. You don't care at that point. But you're 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 stuck with a paralysis. You're stuck being the, the little slave to pharmaceutical companies at that point. If you have one of these uh, reactions, and to be fair, the the reactions range from anything as simple as a sore arm to death. So the range is pretty big, and we don't actually know how bad the myocarditis and all of that is because, as Dr. Malone says, the older generations, you know, from like 40 on, anytime there's like a myocarditis or something like that, it's not really tied to the vaccine. And we can't even guarantee that it was a vaccine or if it was uh, COVID because the samples are are contaminated. You, the, the vaccines don't prevent you from getting COVID. And when you do uh, get multiple jabs, then you're more likely to get COVID. So it could be a reaction from COVID or it could be a reaction from the vaccine. And besides that, it could just be a natural occurrence because that happens from about 40 or so onward, it becomes more and more common. But the numbers that we're seeing, it's because of the younger generation. They're coming down with myocarditis. They're coming down with things that the, that that age group does not deal with. It's a very, very rare case. And usually it's a birth defect at that point. And that's where we're seeing the numbers. And I, I think we, we were discussing this beforehand, and I don't remember exactly what the, the ratio was, but I think it was one in 2,600 is the chances of having a reaction to the vaccine. But again, we don't know how severe it'll be. You saw the interview with, uh, with Dr. Malone. I sent it over to you, uh, and you had a chance to, uh, to give it a listen. What do you think of it? I thought it was good. I liked his take on um, Think for Yourself. That was uh, that was nice. Uh, I know it's legal speak and it's legalese because he's going to be in lawsuits and you can't you can't have him out there in the public square, uh, public square saying these guys have ill motive. You, you can't do that. You need you need to have it open. So when you do the discovery process and all of that, but all of that aside, uh, the legal stuff going on there, he was very clear. He did use names, phrases, those kind of things that were above my pay grade, if you will, but he explains it. And, and Rogan asked questions if there was something that was, you know, confusing or whatnot, or he defined it in layman's terms, something that the average listener would, would understand. So I, I thought it was very good, very educational. And if you were skeptical of the vaccine at all, like, I don't know, maybe the fact that the government is the one that's pushing it that also made the virus, if you're, if you're questioning it, Go and go and listen to it. If you're not questioning it and you're you're sold out and said the vaccine is the greatest thing since sliced bread, you should still watch it because the information you need to have that information there. You need to have that education before you make a decision. And those of you that have already made the decision, you need to know what your risks are because we don't know the long term effects either of this vaccine. It, it, is this going to increase chances of heart disease in the future, blood clotting in the future? We don't know. There's also been reports of uh, uh, soft tissue cancer that these are causing. 
Uh, that's also something you need to know about if you've had the the vaccine already, just so you can be aware of it with your your physician. You know, you get the test and all that kind of stuff to ensure. But you're being made a slave to pharmaceutical companies, and he kind of. That's basically what he says. I mean, all the stuff that he said in the in the interview is everything we've been saying. He he brings out the data. He tells you which research papers it is that he's referencing. He uh, gives you the statistics and numbers on it. He's very um, he, he comes at it from a perspective of look, these are observations. Uh, you have to come to the conclusion yourself. And uh, I think it's uh it's worth the three hour listen. Also, there was a uh, there was another interview. I, I actually just sent it over to you. I, I didn't even realize uh, that he was on there. Dr. Peter McCullough, who was just as banned, he was actually banned before Malone, and he's been one of the uh, frontline doctors that have been working uh, in all of this. And he's he's got a lot of published works and, and a lot of published papers, and he's still doing consults for the government and for universities that uh, that call on him to 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 do this. I mean, he was actually he was consulting directly with Scott Atlas when Atlas was brought into the uh, the team at the White House when when Trump was in there. And he was in contact with McCullough and McCullough says, "Okay, so Scott, what are they doing in there? What data are they looking at? What what papers are they referencing? What what are they doing in order to uh, ensure preventative care to keep people out of the hospitals?" And he said, they're not doing any of that stuff. None of that's being done. He says, the only thing we're dealing with here is nothing but a bunch of bloated incompetence. None of them know what to do. And so he was actually on there. Uh, and I, I think I'll post that uh, up in our, uh, our on our Telegram page as well. But if you go to Joe Rogan's podcast and you listen to the interview with Dr. Malone, a few below that, if you scroll down through the, uh, through the interviews, a few below that is Dr. Uh, Peter McCullough. I would highly recommend you listen to that one as well. Uh, because again, he gives a lot of information, a lot of foresight into not only what's happened, but where we're going. Uh, if we don't somehow or another get out of this mess and soon, and, and quite frankly, some of the remedies that he was talking about as far as like preventative care, if you do come down with it, some of the things that he was talking about is, is in the early treatment days, things you can do at home, simple things that cost nothing, nothing. And when I say nothing, I'm, I'm talking pennies, literally it's it's pennies. He was talking about something with um with warm water and some iodine that you can buy over the counter at any pharmacy. And it's something simple that, that you can do. And that's that's not just that's not just with COVID. That's with any respiratory upper respiratory infection. You can do this if you catch it early enough and you do these things. It's that simple. And he was talking about that with some like using that and then doing something with like some mouthwash for like 30 seconds or something. And he says, you'll knock out most of what you had just by doing that little thing. Ivermectin. It's pennies. It's pennies. I can't remember what government he was talking about. There was there was a government somewhere. I want to say it was like Sri Lanka or something. They directly called him and asked him what measures they need to be taking. And he gave his gave his advice on what needs to be done, what the country needs to be doing, because in a country like Sri Lanka, they're like literally like living on top of each other. Uh, and they were they were hit with covid really hard. Now they've got it under control and they've basically beat it back to nothing because of doing simple things that cost nothing. But see, if you follow that, that's the problem with this is if you follow that, there can be no vaccine. The only way they can have a vaccine that's under emergency use, not forget approval. We're years away from that. It held, as far as I'm concerned, if this was a clinical trial, this has failed miserably, miserably, and it would never get approval. This has set that technology back for use in, in any kind of respiratory infection decades, if not forever. It's now finished. Quite frankly, I personally believe that what Mercola was talking about in that interview, I think, and this is kind of what we alluded to, but hearing it from him, because he has access to a lot more data than what we do, but hearing him talk about it, do you remember they shut down all the mass vaccination sites around uh, late spring, early summer? Do, do you remember that? They had all the, the, the mass vaccination sites everywhere and testing all over the place, but then they pulled all of that. All the mass vaccination places were closing. All the pop-up places everywhere in parking lots and, and the road cones where they were funneling traffic in and everything where you just, you drive up and you stick your arm out the window, you know, that kind of stuff. All that was taken away. Why? Because around late April, we started seeing the vaccine rollouts uh, late February, early part of March. Is, isn't that right? Uh, of last year. That's, that's about when we started to see it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they started doing some of like the basic trials and whatnot in December. Right, right. Which the trials, if you listen to it, what he talked about with the trials, that was even that that was even worse. How they got the the data through to get the emergency authorization on the trials, that was complete nonsense. So that shouldn't have even been considered, but it was. But uh, th they did that, and that. But then the mass vaccination started, but then it stopped right around the start of mid spring into early summer. Why? I'll tell you why. 
and this is exactly what we kind of thought, we were under the suspicion that people quit taking them. As in, and I've said here several times before over the over as many months now, I've said, I think those numbers have dropped off. You know, these, these numbers that they throw at y'all, the 75%, 80%, 90%, whatever, right? I don't buy those numbers for a minute. The reason I don't buy them is because of what Mercola said in the interview with Joe Rogan. He said, around mid-spring to early summer, the vaccination numbers stopped. You got all the, the usual people in there lining up and all the rest of it. Yes, but they stopped. Why did they stop? They stopped because word was getting out that people were dying from the vaccines. And no matter what they do, no, no matter what the power structure does, no matter how much they censor and, and close off, because that's that's also the time we started seeing the rollout of YouTube and Twitter and Facebook and everybody saying, oh, if you're promoting vaccine disinformation, no, we can't have that. That's against our new community guidelines. They can't stop word of mouth. And that's what was happening is word was spreading privately from person to person to person to person and so on and so forth, just like information used to spread. They can't stop that. And once word got out that people were dying from the vaccines, that's when the numbers started to fall off and they never picked back up. So we've seen nothing but a mad rush of just hammering repeatedly over the last 12 months, vaccines, 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 more and more and more. And there's never been an end to it because the numbers didn't go any further. That's when the mandate started shortly after because the numbers well, yeah, quit. That, that right there, what you said that with the mandates and everything and the, the way they were pushing it, the Western culture does not like having the government force things down their throat or anyone forcing things down their throat. I mean, if you're if you're a religious individual, you know this as well. You can't push your religion on someone. Uh, they, they just won't have it. Same thing with this. Government can't push these things. So the minute they started pushing it, now you had the people that were uh, vaccinated or going in to get vaccinated. They were like, whoa, hold on now. So something ain't right. And it, 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 it yeah, it, it threw a monkey wrench into the works. And now these people want 75 years before they release any information on it? 75 years? They don't, uh, honestly. Uh, there's, again, uh, we, we talked about this before. We could have saved so many lives if we would have done the proper early treatments. And that information would come out in that dump. They can't have that. They, they need you to be their little good little slave. You know what? I think I could sit here and I could go on uh, for another hour or so, but uh, I, I, I'm not going to do it. Uh, I'm just going to save whatever we've got. I'll keep the powder dry for tomorrow. So uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, we're going to jump out of here. Welcome back, Bruce. Welcome to 2022. Welcome to the listeners as well. To 2022. Yeah. Welcome and, to the new normal. Uh, yeah. Welcome to the new normal. And if you are a new listener, welcome to you. Thank you to all of the listeners that have passed us along to friends and family over the holiday season. Uh, we appreciate that very much. I know we picked up some new listeners. Welcome to all of you. Welcome to reality. I, I Like I said, I mean, we started tonight with, are we too serious? Well, apparently we're not. So, um, you know, we're, uh, <laughs> we'll be as, uh, we'll be as brash as, uh, as we can be without, uh, without being rude, uh, or anything like that. But we're, we're nobody special. We're nobody of any consequence. We're not, uh, we're not high profile people. We're not mainliners or anything like that. We're just two concerned citizens. That's all. That's all we are. And we care just as much about pushing back on this and getting rid of it. Because look, if we stay on this path, there's no future for this. There's no future for me. There's no future for you. There's no future for your kids. There's no future for your grandkids or your great grandkids. If we don't stop this now, and th this is where this is the line in the sand. I, th I think the vaccines right there, the, the mandates and, and everything else, that's the line in the sand for people. And I think they're, they're starting to realize it is that's it. The masks, okay, you know, whatever, you know, people can do whatever they want to do on that. But that's pretty harmless in comparison to actually forcibly injecting people with something that they know nothing about. That's a little bit different. That is a little bit different. Don't get me wrong. I'm not okay with the mask. But this whole idea of uh, governments now mandating this on you? No, no. That's the line. And that line will not be crossed. I would, I, I want to jump in real quick and say this. Don't forget. Don't let them Overton window us on this. Don't forget, we were against the masks in the beginning as well. Not in the very beginning. In the very beginning, we were we were asking questions like, hospitals use these, why, why shouldn't we? In the very beginning. And then they said, you know, now you have to wear them. And we we're like, wait, now we have data on it. It shows it doesn't work. So with that in mind, know that in the in the early days, we were against this. And if you were one that follows the data, you were also against it. Don't let them Overton window us and be like, okay, well, if you don't want to take the vaccine here, we'll just do the masks instead. No, don't give them that ground. 
it all works together. Masks, tests, vaccines, everything. All of it has to stay. Same thing with lockdowns. All of it has to stay. And the, the restrictions and COVID passports and everything, it's all connected. You can't have one part of this and not the rest of it. It all has to work together. You get it as a package deal. You can't just take part of it. You can't get rid of half of it and keep half of it because the rest of the agenda doesn't work. It all falls apart. It's a house of cards. But welcome to 2022. Welcome to the new year. Same as the last year, right? Meet the new boss, same as the old boss, same thing. Welcome to the new year, same as the old year. Well, I mean, it may be a new year numerically, but it's not a new year with everything going on in society. No. It continues. No, no, no. I actually saw a meme of uh, of the Joker from, from Batman, you know, the Heath Ledger character. I actually saw uh, him and uh, It the Clown walks up to him and says, Hi, um, you're 2021. I'm 2022. Can you show me around? Yeah, that that's... Um... Yeah. I, the thing is, though, is we're we're winning. We're we're starting we're starting to change minds, and that's yeah. where that's where it begins. Is you have to change minds, and people are starting to see data, see the numbers, see the light, if you will. It's the boosters, and I I, 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 I think it's the boosters. Change. I, I think the the boosters was the start of that that shift because once that <laughs> once you started to see that agenda start to roll out, I mean, I, I know people that are double jabbed, and they're like. What do you mean a booster? What, what do you mean a third one, huh? What is this? Yeah, and, and kids. Yeah, and kids. Going you know, after the, the, kids the kids like that. Yeah. 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 All right. So, uh, we are going to get out of here, but um, I want to thank you for being here today, Bruce. Thank you to all the listeners. As always, if you've got any feedback, don't be afraid to drop us any feedback. We have an email account set up just for feedback. Good, bad, ugly, all the rest of it. Uh, you can send that over to us at dynamicpodcast at protonmail.com. Thank you for being here today, and I hope everyone has a great evening, and welcome to the new year.